Good morning. Great to have you this morning, and we are um, always excited when we see faces that we have not seen before. We're always thrilled to see those of you who come back, and don't get me wrong, but we certainly love to see new faces. So thank you for joining us for 1115 Worship. Um, if you are here for the first time, you'll notice, we want you to notice the walls that are underneath the windows, the walls that have been built around the platform. Um, they are here for a reason. They are part of our series. They, they are a visual reminder of our series called Walls, hence Walls. And um, we've been working on a series since Easter Sunday about forgiveness, issues of unforgiveness that we have in our lives. And um, we've used these walls just as a visual reminder of the capacity that we have to build walls. We build walls of unforgiveness of ourselves, we, we did a, a, a Sunday morning. We looked at the biblical uh, lessons on unforgiveness. We, last week, Walt did a great message on forgiving others. This morning is the fourth part of this series, and if you are interested in it, we do have the entire series by podcast on our, our website, so you can go back and, and hear all of the other uh, messages on this. We will conclude it next week, and then we'll be off and running in another direction. But this morning... Um, I want to, I really want to be very personal with you, as personal as we can get in this kind of setting, but I want you to think about your relationship with God. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning, and in, uh, in, in biblical uh, definition and by scriptural reference, we're going to look at God's view of relationship, because we come from all different backgrounds, I'm sure. And we have all different points of reference about this thing called a relationship with God. And we specifically are going to look in Scripture about um, things that we can be secure in in our relationship with God. And then the issues where we have the capacity uh, to build walls between us and God in our relationship. So that's where we're headed this morning. But before we go to the Word, I want us to uh, join together in prayer as we call upon the Holy Spirit to come and um, teach us and to transform us. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, as we speak to you, and, and I just pray that I never take that for granted, that when I bow my head or if I'm driving in the car, whenever I speak to you and I say, Father, and I call on you as Father, that's a privilege that's only been given to me because of what Christ has done. And I have access to you. I can come to you with boldness and humility because I have access through Jesus Christ. Father, this morning as we open up your word, I, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come in power. As only he can come. But God, as we worship through the understanding of your word, hearing your word, and then desiring to apply it to our lives, that can only come through the, to, through the transforming power of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We give you full reign over this place. God, I know that in this room there may be very different places as um, when we talk about relationship with you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal truth. I ask you to quicken in our heart truth that we need to be secure in, truth that we may have a, 
a whole different kind of understanding of them. We don't even know where it came from. It's just something we've accepted as truth, but it doesn't line up with Scripture. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come to demolish those kinds of just walls in our hearts and in our minds. God, I ask you also that your Spirit would come to those this morning who may be hurting over something, something that just is, um, just their heart's broken. Maybe relationship, uh, maybe some information, some news from this week. Maybe it's just, God, you know, I, I just come to a place where I need to confess something before you. But God, that this place is, a, is truly a sanctuary where we can come and speak to you. A place where we can be real, a place where we can be honest. Because we know that when we bring you everything, we can bring you everything. That God, you never turn away from us. And that you will do what only you can do in the depths of our minds and in the depths of our hearts. And we give you all praise and all glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning on your handout, and I hope you, you got one as you came in. If not, they're located. We'll get those to you. If you'll just kind of raise your hand, we'll be glad to get it to you. But the handout is just is really a great reference for you as we, as we go through these scriptures. It'll be up on the screen, but there's also a couple of details on your handout that won't be on the screen. And then it's also, we hope it will become something that will be a tool for you to use during the week that you can go back to and look at the scripture. You can go back to and look at the principles. You can go back to because what I found in my life, if I'm praying about a specific issue or concern or verse in my life, then God will make it very real in my life that week. I mean, Walt's message last week about forgiving others, and, and he kind of warned us. He said, you know, you're, you're going to have opportunity to put this to practice, and he's right. He was absolutely right, because when we begin to pray for something in our lives, you can guarantee that God will be, he will bring something, a circumstance, a person, an event in our life that we will have to apply that truth and watch him work through it. It's amazing. So this morning, that handout is just simply for reference. If you like to take notes, fantastic. If not, we hope that you will use it as something that would be a great tool for you during the rest of the week. So this morning, I want to propose to you five questions. They're going to come up on the screen. They're also on your handout. As we think about walls and as we think about this series of unforgiveness and having uh, literally no walls between us and God in our relationship, what does that mean? What does that look like? Where are the insecurities? Where are the fears? Here are the questions that came to my mind. The first one is, does God really love me? Now, the easy, quick answer would be yes. I mean, we just kind of go, yes. But as we begin to think about that, and we begin to, to really meditate on that, both heart and mind, does God really love me? In other words, if I were to take your name to the throne of God and say, God, do you love Karen? And he'd say, oh, you bet I do. Or we take the name of, if I were to take Andy's name to the throne of God, and I would say, you know, God... Do, do you love Andy? And God would say, yes. Now, can you imagine, that as we think about the creator of the universe, God's sovereign over all things, and he knows your name, and he, yes, I really love her. Yes, I really love him. These are the kinds of security in our relationship with God that I hope will be transforming to you this morning. Second question is, what is my relationship with God based on? 
benchmark. Now, that may be kind of an odd way to say that, but if you think about all of your relationships, just your human relationships, they're, they're based on something. Your friendships may be based on work. They may be based on because you're family. They may be based on your neighborhood. They may be based on obligation. They may be based on a lot of needs or insecurities. There's a lot of dynamics, as you well know, going on in human relationships. But what we want to look at this morning biblically is what, does, what is God's viewpoint, what is God's truth on just exactly what is the basis of my relationship with him? And is it secure? Is there anything that can change that security in relationship? Are there any possibilities out there? Am I struggling with any of those thoughts of insecurity in my relationship with God? The third question is, how do I know for sure that when I die, I will spend eternity in heaven? Now, we... From, from the service this morning to this service, I am sure across the board we're coming from all different kinds of church background or just things we've heard. You know, we may not be churched at all, but we've got some concepts about God and how, how you know, how am I going to live forever in heaven? Is it ever taken away? Is it secure? Is it final? Is it forever? And we just, we're it becomes just a, a, compl a complexity to us. We're not really sure how to deal with those questions. You know, whether, is there a possibility that once I think I'm, you know, I'm sealed for eternity, can I ever lose that? You know, what's the, and we just begin to build these walls of insecurity around our relationship with God. So we want to be able to take a, a biblical look at that particular issue, which follows right behind that. The next question is, is God's forgiveness forever? Not the first Sunday, uh, Easter, when we began the series, um, we looked at, uh, of course, the biblical perspective, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross and the forgiveness that he offers for our sins. But are we secure in knowing that our salvation is forever? It's eternal. Eternal is a long time. Wrap your head around that. If you just sit down long enough and think about eternity, it can blow your mind. But is forgiveness forever? Is it eternal? Is it secure? And the final question is, what would my life look like? What would my life look like without any insecurities in these specific matters of my relationship with God? No insecurity whatsoever. No fear. Nothing. No obligation even. Now, that's pretty big because we tend to think even as, as those, if you've kind of been around the church thing for a while and, and and we may somehow, it's easy to slip into that obligation-minded kind of thinking. And biblically speaking, God's saying, my relationship with you is built on grace. It's based on grace, not obligation, not on what you can do for me. It's built completely and totally upon grace. And we want to, as God desires us to be, completely and absolutely secure in those matters in our relationship with him. The first Sunday, Easter Sunday, George opened the series and he had us turn to Luke chapter 15. And if you've got your Bible with you or have one with you, I would love for you to go ahead and turn to Luke 15. These verses will also be up on the screen. But I want to uh, set, the, set the stage again for this particular parable. And a good question to ask is, well, you know, what's a parable? I've heard parables. You know, I know Jesus talks about par talks in parables, talks, par you know, uh, gives parables, speaks about parables. Well, what is it? 
Well, a parable is simply a story that Jesus would use to illustrate something that we could understand of an earthly sense that would give light on something heavenly. He'd give us just an example that we could, we could get a hold of so that we could begin to see something of a greater dynamic going on in the heavenlies or in our relationship with God. So when Jesus spoke about this parable in Luke 15, if you remember, if it's familiar to you, it's the son who demanded his inheritance. Remember, he demanded his inheritance. The father gave it to him. He took the inheritance and ran, and the scriptures say that he blew it all. He, just, he took everything that the father had given to him blew it all, got to the end of nothing, realized he had nothing, completely and totally in a place of fear and in a total place of insecurity. And what does he decide he wants to do? He wants to go back home to the Father. And just as a principle for you to think about, just as that son, when he got to the end of the inheritance, when he had literally distance-wise gone for everything that he could go for out in the world and got to the end of that, I would submit to you that we are just as quickly able as the distance that we are away from God, the more insecure we become. We may think we found security in something or a person, but the further our relationship away from God, and that doesn't mean just those who maybe haven't uh, reached a place of relationship at all. I'm talking about those of us who are, feel like we have a relationship with God. It doesn't take long for us to get a distance away from half a day, half a day sometimes. And we feel insecure or we have fear. That means we've moved away from a place of intimacy with him. So the son who decides that he wants to come back to his father's house. He wants to return. You know, he looks up, he sees a bunch of pigs around him, literally, and goes, this is not it. But I've wasted everything. What do I do now? In chapter 15, in verses 18 and 19, I want you to look at this carefully with me. Because this, these are the few words, the few sentences that the son begins to think about before he goes home to the father. And this is significant to me. This just absolutely jumped out of scripture to me when George read it a couple of weeks ago because I saw myself in it. I, this, was, this looked so much like me because here's the son. He wants to return to the father and he begins to set up this conversation have you ever done that before? Before you have to go have a conversation with somebody, you're running through everything you're going to say. I mean, you get it. I mean, it can be a fun conversation or it can be a tough conversation. You know, you kind of get down. This is, you know, this is my goal. And sometimes that's very wise. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to this person. There's conflict here. There's something we need to resolve. And I'm going to set out in my plan. I'm going to have a plan of action here. And then I'm going to go and then I'm going to approach the person and we'll have this conversation. And sometimes that's very wise. However, in this um, parable, because it sheds light on the, all of humanity and our relationship with God, this, I mean, I always have a smile on my face, literally because I'm so like this. I am, this is, this is me so many times when I feel like I've messed up and I'm going to come back to God with a plan. I'm going to figure it out. 
And this is what, this is exactly what the son is doing. Now, remember, he hadn't gone back to the father yet. He's thinking, I want to go back. I have totally blown it. I've totally blown it. But I'm going to go back, and there's some things I'm going to offer. How many times do we go back to God and go, I'm going to offer you some stuff to make the relationship right? We're just talking about relationship. I'm going to offer some things to make this relationship right. Here's the son, he says, and he's just, you know, I'd love to know. I guess he's looking at the pigs. I don't know, but he's got it in his head. He goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my father, and here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell my father that I know I've sinned. You know, I've, no, I've done something against him. And then I'm going to tell him that I'm not worthy to be called his son. Imagine this son with that kind of thought process and that kind of heaviness of heart that he would want to go back to the father, but he's so insecure in his position with his father. I mean, I think he thinks this is noble. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I think he thinks this is noble because I think he just wants to go back so badly that he says, I'll go back and I realize I'm not worthy to be called your child anymore, but I just want to be back. So he's going to make this offer. This is his plan. I'll, I'll make this offer. And then he says, I'm going to make this offer to my father for my father to hire me just like he would any other hired servant. That's amazing. Because as I got to think about that, and I began to really, really look at those scriptures, I mean deep kind of look at them. There are three things that I saw in myself, and there are three things that I saw in the course of humanity about trying to figure out with this thing in the relationship with God. One is position. One is position. You see, the, the son thought he had lost his position with his father, right? He thought he'd, he'd blown it, it was gone. No, couldn't be restored. The second issue, the second heart issue, the, the second thing that we kind of all can come to a place of struggle with, of insecurity over, is that he thought he had lost his sonship. He figured, I've, I've blown it. You know, even if my father forgives me, he's not going to reinstate me. That's living in fear and living in insecurity. And the third thing that I saw just churning in this son's heart and his mind was he, was he was really doubting or trying to figure out, does my father love me? And what kind of depth of love does he really have? Because if I'm going to go back, if this son is, is just wrestling with these issues, these insecure issues of relationship, he's concerned about position, he's concerned about the sonship, and he's concerned about love. Now we know that in this parable, the son goes back to the father. And one of the greatest words in this parable is the word quick. Quick. Because the father reinstates the son immediately. Not as a hired servant, 
but as his son with a full inheritance. And Jesus was speaking this parable so that we could see some things in the spiritual realm that is very difficult sometimes for us to grasp because we live out of a place of insecurity. And when we live out of a place of insecurity in our relationship with God, it will affect everything we do. And those of us who maybe have traveled a little bit around the church for a long time, this is great warning to us because we can't come to God and serve him in his church out of insecurity of our relationship with him. I hope that makes some sense. Because if I go to him and I feel like it's somehow I'm balancing the scale here, that somehow I've got to earn something, that somehow I am insecure about my relationship with him, and I think, God, you just hire me out for your church. And that's kind of the, the rationalization I see in these verses that I can very quickly sometimes see in myself. And I've got to know that the basis of which I serve is based on a relationship that Jesus loves me, and that relationship is based on grace, and it's forever. And then serving and, and um, uh, taking his message to the world, whatever he calls us obedience, becomes a completely different issue because I'm not living in a place of insecurity. I'm living in a place of complete and total security of who I am in Christ. Completely different way of how we live our day-to-day -day lives. So I want you to think about position and sonship and love. And the question becomes, are there places in Scripture that we can be sure on those issues? And the answer is absolutely and completely and totally, yes, you can. At Renovation, we believe the Bible that we hold and the Bible that we use to teach and preach from, it is God's infallible word. And it is truth, it is God-breathed, and it has the power to transform lives. So when we look at these verses this morning, and they are huge, huge verses. I mean, they are deep. You could spend your lifetime just delving into them and seeing the beauty of them. But I, I chose three of them because I think they so clearly, truthfully impact us on these positions that the son was wrestling with in the parable. Position, struggling with sonship, relationship, and struggling with this issue. You know, what's the status of God's love for me? What does it look like? Can I be sure of that? So the first verses that are on your handout, they'll also go up on the screen, are from the book of Ephesians, the first chapter. It's the 13th and the 14th verse. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow. Really, the key word that I want you to focus on in all of this passage, and there are some words maybe you don't, you know, I don't even know what that means or how does that all fit. There's only one word I want you to just zero in on, and that's the word I-N, in, in. 
Because if we are insecure about our position with God, these verses lay it to rest as truth. The phrase beginning within, in Christ, if you were to go through all of the New Testament, it's not just here in these verses in Ephesians. You will find it over and over and over again in the New Testament. You'll see in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And you will see it describing our relationship with him. And when we think about it, it's kind of hard to get, I think it's hard to get the, the concept of that. In Christ, what does that mean? Well, the verse goes on to say that when we believed, when we became a Christ follower, that God did something miraculous. He did something of mystery. He did something that I think is, is amazing to think about, and yet it's very difficult because we want to say, well, how'd you do that? Well, God says, I did it. And what is it? He positioned us differently. When we are living away from God before we become Christ followers, we are not positioned in Christ. When we become a Christ follower, God performs this instantaneous miracle that the New Testament describes, and now we are in Christ. The best way that I could think to even think about illustrating something so deep is just simply to bring in a roll of red duct tape and I formed a square on the floor. And I realize you can't all see that, but it's a very, it's a small square. Because at the moment that I became a believer in Christ, what the Word of God says is He positioned me somewhere. He positioned me in Christ. So as I step into this red square, that just simply for me to kind of get a visual, and I hope you will too, you'll gain an understanding of what happened when you became a believer in Christ, or maybe you're still at that place just trying to figure it all about, about you know, what happens if I make that step of faith that I believe Christ. What God is going to do is put you in position in Christ. Remember the son who was so concerned about his position with his father? He was insecure in that position. As believers in Christ, God securely places us in Christ. And the verses go on to say in Ephesians that we are marked, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. So not only does God position us in Christ, he also deposits the Holy Spirit in us, and the, and the Bible says sealed. In other words, he places like taking an envelope, licking it, sealing it. In the time of, of Jesus, as, he, as they were reading this word, they understood the wax seal. They understood that a seal was placed over something, that it would not be opened until it had to be opened, until the time it was ready to be opened. And this, these verses are saying that as a believer in Christ, you are sealed, you are in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing until the day that you go home to be eternally with God, you are secure. You do not have to worry about that seal being removed. That seal will be opened on the day when you receive, when we receive our inheritance in heaven. It's a forever seal based on the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus. 
So our security and position in Christ outlined in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Now, the second thing that, you know, going back to this parallel of the, of the, um, the father and the son, he was concerned about the sonship. And as you look underneath on your handout, you'll see a couple of blanks there to fill in. As we're thinking about security, this relationship with God, we're secured in Christ. God has placed us in that position. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit, so we are secured by the Holy Spirit. These verses also talk about an inheritance that is secure. And then finally, there's, we are secured as God's possession. Ephesians chapter 1 says it's, he's a deposit. The Holy Spirit's a deposit guaranteeing that inheritance until those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of any other way to be more secure over something. When we're secured positionally in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and we're God's possession. And I have to ask myself, what more could I want? I don't have to do anything in the sense of earning or being the hired servant to God. It's simply a relationship based on a beautiful, extravagant grace. My position's secured. Salvation is secure. The next group of verses on your handout and also up on the screen are from Romans chapter 8. So we think about the concept of sonship and adoption by God. Romans 8, verses 15 through 17. For you did not receive a spirit, as a, as a believer in Christ, you didn't, I didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of what? Sonship. Again, when I looked at that, that parable, and I thought that son was so concerned over his position, and he felt so unworthy to be called son that he was willing to be a, just a hired person of the Father. And God's word said, no, when you return to me, when you're positioned in Christ, then the spirit that I've deposited in you, the full power of my spirit, he comes to you, and one of those things as he lives and resides in us is that he's going to testify to us. Verse says, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children because what we will do is doubt that. We will doubt it. We'll either doubt it because circumstances begin to unravel. You know, our world is shaken. Somebody walks out on us. A relationship changes. We lose a job. We get a health um, diagnosis. All of those things can literally rock our world to a place of insecurity. And we begin to doubt, God, have you forgotten me up there? Do you not care? I'm going to tell you something. For me, one of the ways that my mind can just work against me is when I begin to think God doesn't care. Or if he just doesn't see me. It's devastating, and I know it's a lie. I know it's a lie, but it can feed and breed insecurity so fast, so fast. And I have to run back 
to Scripture that I know in my head, whether I feel it or not, that says, no, I'm secure in my relationship with you. And if my world is shaken and fallen and crumbling, I am securely positioned in Christ and my relationship is final. i got to know those things. I have to know that for sure. And these verses say that the Holy Spirit will testify. If you are ever in court and you have to testify, what is somebody who's given a testament? They're given the truth. So the Holy Spirit has been, a, is one of his roles in our lives is to testify to the truth that you are his son and daughter. It's powerful, powerful. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you think God wants us to get that through our heads about inheritance? and our? Yes, because we see it all through the New Testament. Because Christ changed the position. Co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You know, it, it really takes faith to believe that kind of love. Because we're so conditional. We are so conditional about how we forgive, how we love, how we do, how, everything. We're very, very conditional people, even in our closest relationships. So it takes truth like this and the Holy Spirit to give us a confidence and a security in our relationship with God. And to live without the insecurities of this relationship is, is completely transforming. In Galatians 4, verses 6 through 9, remember position, sonship, and now as the son had to be wrestling in the parable, you know, does my father love me? Does he really love me? He may, you know, in, in the parable or in life, we, we may think even if we've had experiences with no one had a perfect earthly father. I'm going to tell you, you, you may have had a great father. I had a great father. But nobody on this earth has a perfect father. Nobody. Nobody. And to ever try to place what we know of earthly father onto our heavenly father, it's, it will be misconstrued because it takes an incredible amount of security and faith to say, I'm loved by a perfect heavenly father. So as this son was returning to his father, kind of trying to figure out, does he really love me? Are there going to be some conditions? Is he going to throw it out in my face that I blew it all? The word of God from Galatians 4, verses 6 through 9. There's so many other places. Talk about God's unconditional love, his everlasting love, his eternal love. Galatians 4, 6 through 9 says this, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son, and that's the Holy Spirit again, sent his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, and we see almost the same verbiage, calls out, Abba, Father. He's testifying that we belong to him. We're his possession. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Now look at this last portion of these verses. But now you know God, or rather, known by God. Wow. What is that verse saying? 
when we opened up the word this morning together, and I said, you know, what if, Andy, if I take your name to the throne of God, and, and I say, you know, Andy, and God says, I love Andy. But what this verse is also saying is that God is saying, I know Andy. Unbelievable transforming truth. God says, Jennifer, I know you. I know you. I know everything that's going on in your world. I know you. And I love you. And my relationship with you is secure because we will go all over the place. I will go all over the place. But I've got to have the Holy Spirit testifying to me going, you're secure in me. I've positioned you in Christ. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're my child, and I love you. I know you. That's what the Bible reveals to us. That's our relationship with him. Secure. Secure. Completely and totally secured in Christ. Okay, how do I have a no-wall relationship with God? I don't, again, I, you know, I'm just being honest. There are times when I felt like there was a wall between me and God, the distance from here to Charleston. I, intellectually, I know God's right here, but there were walls. There's just walls that sometimes I build in my relationship with him. So how do I... How do we not have walls between us and God? I jotted down a couple of things. One is to ask, simply to ask for desire. What do I mean by that? Well, one is the desire, day in and day out, that I ask God for the desire to love him more. Not because I'm going to him as a hired servant. Not because I'm going to him going, I am so insecure, and I know I'm unworthy, and you know, I'm not really sure how I stand with you, and so therefore, you know, just, give me, just give me a greater desire. That's not a greater desire of an intimate relationship with him. A greater desire to love him. A greater desire to know him. Because intimacy with God in relationship is where insecurity comes to love on also the face of the map. Further I live away from him, him, the bigger the wall, wall, the greater the insecurity. insecurity. And that's across across financial relationships, you name it. it. The further away I am, trying to make decisions about life, school, college, graduate, you name it. The further we move away from him in relationship, the greater the insecurity will be. It always happens that way. He wants us close. Secondly, how do I have a no-wall relationship with God? I'm going to admit my sins specifically and regularly. And I've given you verses beside each one of these that you can use this week. Maybe that just, you know, the Holy Spirit's just impressing upon you. I need to take a look at that. I need to be honest with God about that. But admit my sins specifically and regularly. See, here's the big question. Here it is. Here it is. Because once you become a believer in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1 says you're placed into a position in Christ and you're sealed and when are you sealed until the day of redemption which means eternity 
Word of God speaks clearly, not only there, but many other places. You are positioned. I am positioned in Christ. Here's the big question. Okay, I know when I became a believer in Christ, I'm not perfect. I have not been perfect. It's an already but not yet issue. I'm not perfect. I am going to sin. In fact, if you're if I worry about something, here's the big news in the scripture. It says, if I worried over something to the place where I don't trust God over that issue in my life, Jesus says it's, that's a sin. All right? So it's not a, we, we, if, oh, we love to grade sin, don't we? Okay, worries down here. There's a big one here. There's all kinds of ways we like to grade sin. Big, little, small, huge. We love it. We do it. because Then we can justify it or rationalize it. But here's the question. Worry, we're going to take face value. Jesus said, worry's a sin. All right, I worry this afternoon about something. I want to ask you with all boldness, agreeing with me that worry is a sin in my life, does that take me out of position in Christ because I've sinned? Does that, does that destroy my eternal security? Does that move me out of the box until I confess that sin, put me in the box? I'm going to tell you, if you're anything like me, I'd be moving like this all day long. Just, you know, in the box, out of the box. Confessing, in the box, in my... You know, what a way to have to live life. Just totally insecure about your position in Christ. Totally insecure about whether when I die, if I die the second I step out of these doors, I am secure a place in heaven eternally. My eternal salvation after I am a believer in Christ is not based upon the confession of sin. Whoa, did I just blow some minds. My position is secure. Confession of sin, once you are positioned in Christ, it does not affect my eternal salvation based on the Word of God. What does it affect then? Why do I have to keep confessing sin? Because you'll build up a wall between you and God in your fellowship with Him. My worry over finances, my worry over, um, you know, some, some family things that are going on, my worry over work, my wor whatever it may be that I'm not trusting God in, is not going to take me out of my position in Christ. It's secure. But what I will begin to do is trust in myself to try to solve those places that I'm concerned about, and I'm ignoring and not acknowledging God, and that builds up the wall between us. Does that make, I hope that makes sense. Because what Satan would love for you to do is worry about where you are in your position. He wants you in the same position as that son was in the pigsty, worrying yourself to death over where, where am I? Where's God? What's the relationship? Does he love me? Am I a son? Am I not a son? Guys, don't live like that. In Christ, you're forgiven. You're free. You're my child. I know you. I love you. Fourth, how do I have a no-wall relationship with God? Offer the wise, W-H-Y-S, the wise of my life as a sacrifice to God. 
what in the world does that mean? That means that if you're living and breathing on this planet, if you don't have a circumstance in your life right now, I know you, it, you've been there. You, you, we just all have been there. Where you, there's a circumstance, something's happened to you, maybe a loved one has been completely removed from you in a very traumatic way, um, there's just something that's occurred to you in life you have no answers to. Nothing. It, it's a big, it's just like throwing out the why to God and, and it's completely nothing. Nothing comes back. No answer, no solution, no nothing. And you're just sitting there with a big why. God does not promise us I believe on the other side of eternity, we will know the why. But on this earth, we may not know why. And if we hold on to those whys, demanding answers, demanding, now it hurts and it matters to God. I, I will never discount those kinds of huge whys in our lives because usually they're, they are over the head kind of whys. But if God, in his sovereignty, says, it's not for you to understand the side of heaven. If we do not take those whys and offer them up literally as a sacrifice, what we will have the tendency to do is we will become bitter people towards God. We will become angry and we'll start bricking up the wall. God, you didn't answer. You didn't do. You didn't, you didn't give me any kind of understanding. I just don't get this. Why did it have to happen to me? And we will build up a wall. So I implore you this morning, if you're in that place where you've got a huge why in your life and you don't know what to do with it, this morning maybe it's a time when you just release it as a sacrifice. You know, God, I, I trust you. I'm just going to give you the whys of my life. I can't figure it out, but I'm going to trust that you love me, I'm secure, and that you're going to work this whole thing out for your glory. Fifthly, how do I have a no-wall relationship with God? Enjoy your security. <laughs> Absolutely. Look at Romans 8, 37, 39. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am I hope you walk out of here convinced. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please tell me as a believer in Christ that you can now say, by, based on what we've looked at, you look at the last phrase of Romans chapter 8, you look at this, it says, that is in Christ Jesus positioned in Christ Jesus, what this is saying is nothing can separate you from him. Nothing, nothing can ever take you away from his absolute perfect love. I want you to take a look at the screen. Last week we heard a testimony from um, someone who's been attending renovation about forgiving others and the impact it had on her life. We've got another brief testimony this morning from... Andrew, who was sharing what it has meant to him about believing 
that he is completely and totally secure in Christ. Forgiveness for me was always something that I had wrestled with, uh, especially for the fact that it was forever. It was something that I had actually struggled with for probably about a good year as my first steps coming to the Christian faith. Um, I, I tended to find out that that was truly my wall, that because of my unbelief in Christ, that when he died, that sin in my life that I could ask for forgiveness for was completely and totally forgiven, was something that I struggled with every day. And I found out that every day I kept asking for forgiveness for the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it took me probably about a year to realize that I didn't have to. That at that first moment that I had finally gone to Christ and asked him for my forgiveness for that specific sin, he had wiped the slate clean. He had forgiven me. And once I had realized that, this peace came over me about it. That I didn't have that mental stress about it in my life. I didn't have to constantly keep thinking, oh, I need to go to and ask for forgiveness for everything again. It was gone. Completely gone. And it was something that was building in my life and was ruining my relationship with Christ because it just kept building a wall and stopping my ability to talk to him about other things other than what I had already asked for forgiveness for. And it probably was one of the greatest revelations he could have ever given me in my life because if it wasn't for that, I'd still be worrying about the problems that I have. And the problems that I don't have anymore because he has forgiven me. So is forgiveness really forever? I would absolutely say yes. Christ died to forgive our sins and took all of our sins with him. I don't have to worry about him anymore. It's a wonderful thought. It's a wonderful feeling to know that I can go to him with anything that I have done wrong, and he'll wipe the slate clean. But it's taking that first initial step to know that from the minute that you ask him for that forgiveness, that it's done. Completely and utterly done. You never have to go back for it again. Now, am I saying that if I don't stop asking forgiveness? Because that's certainly not true. I'm there's plenty of things I have to ask for forgiveness for every day. But knowing that I have that faith to go to Christ, know that it will be completely done and forgiven when I come to Him, is something that I can smile about. It's, it's amazing to know that somebody that loves me so much to forgive even my worst sin would wipe it completely clean for me. we bring our um, time together to a conclusion, I, I would just bring attention to the back of your Connect card. And each week on the back, we, um, we try to challenge you because 
with each message as we go to the word for truth, that truth demands a response from us. No response is also a decision. So what we want to do at each worship service is to always give you some sort of step. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit, we give him room to do something other than what we may have here on the back of the Connect card. But we just want to give you an opportunity to think about what would be the next thing to do, literally as an act of worship, because of what I've just heard, because of the truth that the Bible talks about with this issue of relationship and, and eternal security. Well, for someone in here, it may be that, that you've decided, I'm going to believe, and for the first time, I'm going to place my life in Christ Jesus. Second step may be that today, I'm, I'm going to trust that I'm safe and secure for eternity in Christ. No more of this living in a place of insecurity and fear and relationship. Third, maybe to just spend some time this week and meditate on the verses from this morning's message. Now, maybe you just need to take them and, and think about them and pray through them and ask the Holy Spirit to confirm these truths to you. And then fourthly, maybe this morning is the opportunity for you to offer the whys of your life as a sacrifice. We're going to have communion, an opportunity to come and just reflect on the price that it took, the cost that it took for us to be able to have a position in Christ, a sonship, an inheritance, and a love that is completely perfect and extravagant. And as you think about that, on each corner of the platform here, we have some blue pens. The last couple of weeks, in response to the messages, we've, if you've wanted to, if it's just something that you feel like on your heart that God would have you come up, you know, it's not something that we just want to decorate walls and, you know, sometimes I look at responses like that and I think, you know, what's the purpose? What we're asking is if you, want, if, if you feel like you want to come forward as you come for communion, if you want to take a blue pen, and blue is traditionally in the church always been the color for eternity. And maybe you just want to write your name on this wall, your full name, not just initials, but your full name, that you know that you're secure in Christ, that you're positioned in him. Or there may be something else that you just want to write in gratitude. Maybe it's just you're going to put the word why up here, just sort of symbolic that I'm going to sacrifice the word, all the whys of my life as an offering. So we invite you to do that. If you want to think about that, maybe you think about it this week and come back next week and do it. They'll be up here. You can do that.